Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. There's absolutely something beyond what we see with our eyes and hear with our ears, and that healing is possible for everyone. It was for Uncle Bell. I grew up in, in Tacoma, Washington, with my mom and dad. We lived in a house that my dad built. It was a two-bedroom house. And in my bedroom, I had a window where I would sometimes sit at night and watch the stars and the moon. When I was about five years old, my parents had a very, very good friend by the name of Henry Bell. But I called him Uncle Bell. He had been a lifelong friend of my dad's. I don't know how they met, really. I just know that... As long as I could remember, Mr. Bell was always around. I think he had lost all his family. That's why he spent so much of his time with us. He and my dad loved each other dearly, and of course, after my mom met him, she felt the same way about him that my dad did. He came at least two or three nights a week. Very special man, older man, kind, sweet, and we had a special connection. My relationship with him was like a child with Santa Claus. He was always bringing me little gifts, little toys, books, ribbons for my hair. We just really loved each other. I, I adored him, and he, he really loved me. I could feel it. When he got older, the only thing that he was troubled about, really, was that he had Parkinson's or palsy. His hands, his hands shook terribly. I mean, not just a little, but a lot. And it embarrassed him. I could see that. So he used to keep his hands in his pockets. But when he would come over, I would jump on his lap and hug him and kiss him. And I'd make him take his hands out of his pockets. And I, I tried to steady his hands. because I wanted to make it all right for him because I could see that it bothered him. And I tried to get him to play with me and pull him up out of his chair and dance with me and play with me, but... Honey, it's time to leave Uncle Bell alone. At that point in his life, he, did, he just didn't feel like playing a lot. I think that this thing bothered him terribly, but it didn't matter to me whether they shook or not. I just adored him. I looked up at him and said, wow, everybody loves you. He said to me, That's because I love everyone. Oh, he was something. He was special. One night, I was sleeping upstairs in my bed. I was awakened by light. And it was in the shape of a ball. A round silver ball of light, like an enlarged ball. And it had like little silver nubs off it. My whole room was lit up. 
Well, even if I had a hundred flashlights in my room, it wouldn't be as bright. And I just thought, that's awesome. What is that? That's amazing. It was bouncing irregularly all over the room, up and down and up and down and up and down. I just sat and watched and I thought it was the best thing I'd ever seen. It didn't frighten me at all. I just thought it was a wonderful new toy. So I jumped off my bed, and when I jumped off my bed to try and catch it and run after it, it kept bouncing and bouncing, and I'd go for it, and I couldn't get it and couldn't get it. And then the ball went like this, and it went like this. And for just a second, the ball was just suspended for a moment. I saw who was bouncing the ball. It was Uncle Bell. The ball was suspended between us. And he smiled at me, showing me his hands. And they were perfectly calm, straight, not moving an inch. The next second, the ball flew past me. I dove after it, but the minute it hit the bed, it was gone. And I looked back. Poof, he was gone. Nothing there. And I thought, ah, that was great. And Uncle Bill played with me. And I didn't even have to ask him to play with me. So I went to bed very happy, went to sleep very happily. I woke up the next morning. And as I was on my way downstairs, I tripped over something. And I looked down, and I picked up one of the silver rubbery nubs that had been on this ball of light. It was there. So excited because I could show my parents. So I ran downstairs. They were in the in the uh, kitchen having breakfast. Got so excited. Mr. Bell came to see me. There was a ball. It was bouncing in my bedroom. It was so much fun. And then Mr. Bell showed me his hands, and they were perfectly calm. And my mom looked at me, she said, honey. You know, your imagination's amazing, and you have to tell the truth. My dad said, honey, Mr. Bell couldn't have been here because he lives too far away. Trains don't run at night. So you got to remember, Diane, always tell the truth. I'd seen it. I had seen it, and I knew it, and and they didn't, they didn't believe me, and that just devastated me. Suddenly the phone rang. My mother answered it. She was upset. And I heard her say, Mr. Bell, what? And she said, Ben, please come to the phone. So daddy went to the phone and he talked for a few minutes and the voices were all muffled. And they came back to the table we have something to tell you. Mr. Bell passed away. Your uncle passed away last night. You won't be seeing him anymore. Uncle Bell went to heaven. And then they stopped. They realized that I'd been telling them was the truth. They looked at me and said, we're sorry, but we didn't believe you, obviously. Mr. Bell paid a visit to somebody he loved very much. And obviously, 
he found some healing in that passing. I think it not only phased me in years to come, but I know my parents had an understanding that Uncle Bill had come to see me and pay a last visit to someone that he knew would play with him that he loved. My parents had a fuller realization of the relationship that Uncle Bell and I had, a relationship and a bond that could never be severed by what people call passing or living or anything else. In all the times that I wanted to fix his hands so he wouldn't feel bad, I think at all those times that he was inside hungering to to have that happen so he could make me happy. And I think in that last visit he was saying, look, you wanted them to be healed, you wanted them to be fixed, they're fixed. And I'm happy. And all is well. I think he just wanted to comfort me, and he did. Hi, this is uh, Shine Clark, author of Voice in the Dark, lead paranormal investigator for Voices in the Dark. And you're listening to the Real Paranormal Activity podcast with my dear friend Aaron Hunter. Welcome. I'm Aaron Hunter, purveyor of paranormal stories, the occult, and the unexplained. Welcome to RPA. I hope you enjoy your stay. Hey guys, Aaron here, and it is Monday, June 12th, 2023, episode 297. How's everyone out there around the world doing? And man, as always, glad to be back in the hot seat. And the weather is beautiful over here. Unfortunately, we don't have much rain. The uh, Everyone's lawns are turning brown. <laughs> but oh well, I'll take it. As far as announcements are concerned, yeah, the network's running nice and smooth. Nothing really to report. But this Tuesday tomorrow, a new episode of Aaron's Horror Show will be out, and also this Wednesday, a new episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments with Terry from Texas will be out, and of course, this Friday, a double feature of Entertaining Short Films. Speaking of which, it looks like you guys are really enjoying the Entertaining Short Films, and of course, we're going to keep on putting those out for you. Yeah, that's cool. And if you don't know how to watch the uh, films, obviously, you can go to realparanormalactivity.com. On the right-hand side is Categories. Just find the Entertaining Short Film category, and off you go. Or get the free RPA app. And you can watch all videos and film through the app. Fully functional. Just go to your app store and do a search for Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, and you'll see our Aka Blue Eye. And just download it for free. Stream anytime, anywhere. And that's it. Yeah, short and sweet. So let's get the show on the road. And again, we're going to do more listener stories. And man, we're putting a big dent in the backlog, but we still have plenty more to go. So you know what that means. Come on. Say it with me. Say it with me. That's right, too. The story then. Follow me right this way. No pushing, no shoving, and the fans are going nice and cool in here. As always, grab a beanbag over there in the corner. Don't forget to grab a popsicle out of the freezer. Find an empty spot on the floor. And as you guys are doing that, I'm going to get 
behind my desk here. <coughs> okay. And I printed off Brett's packet. So we'll see what she sent us today. Alright. Okay. That looks like uh, we got three medium stories. Alright, let me take a sip of my green tea real quick. Mm -hmm. Oh man, so good when it has the lips. Alright, the first one. This one is titled Hospital Experience, and it's by Desert. Okay, Desert, let's see what you got, man. I was working a few years ago in a very small hospital located on the Navajo Reservation. It was pretty old and very outdated, with only about 15 patient rooms arranged down two hallways in an L-shaped fashion. And the nurse station was located at the center of where the lines of the L met. At the end of one of the hallways were a pair of double doors leading to a more recent addition of the hospital, a surgical unit, no longer used. I never gave it much thought as my shifts were pretty busy and didn't have much time to do much else. After I had been there for a while, I decided I would take some time to check it out, because how many people get to explore old hospitals that are no longer in use, or at least a closed off section? So. Before I go any further, I need to let you all know that I have never thought of myself as someone who has had any experiences with weird or paranormal stuff. I've stayed in plenty of buildings considered to be haunted, and never have seen anything, or maybe not open to it, or just never put any credence to it. Because even if something strange happens, I can always explain it away. So, although I was curious going into that part of the hospital, the notion I would experience anything out of the ordinary was the furthest thing from my mind. I opened the doors, which led to an airlock, before going through a second set of doors leading into the surgical area itself. The surgical area was nothing very special. It basically consisted of one large room with a hallway towards the back and several other small rooms leading off from it. An assortment of old medical equipment had been retired to this place. And other than cabinets and countertops along the walls, the unit was mostly empty. It wasn't unlike any other abandoned space, but it was a little too quiet and still in that lonely place. As I walked around and toward the hallway to check out the back rooms, I suddenly just felt really uncomfortable. Maybe it's how some would describe as that feeling of being watched. Not exactly how I felt, but what I really noticed is that the atmosphere had a weird heaviness to it that was beyond stifling. It was oppressive. I don't recall feeling like that before, so on an emotional level, it really stood out for me. I never made it to those back rooms. I just felt an overwhelming compulsion to leave. So I did. I think I must have been there no more than a few minutes. So, even though I never heard or saw anything, it struck me as strange why I felt that way when there was no reason to. The hospital had been considered to be creepy, if not outright haunted. The staff would report hearing things, disembodied voices, Patients reported people coming in and out of their rooms during the night or would request a ward bed so they could be in a room with other patients and not by themselves in a private room. Others would report raps on their windows 
which logically could happen since they were on the ground floor. Personally, the only weird thing to happen to me was having the automatic hand sanitizer go off by itself one time. Again, maybe a malfunction. I worked plenty of night shifts and never once got spooked, aside from what I've already written. I never went back into the surgical wing aside from accompanying another staff member needing to get something from there because she was too scared to go in there by herself. About six months went by and one day I was talking to someone who had worked there for many years and mentioned the surgical unit had been shut down about six years prior because the patient had gone in for a cesarean section and had bled to death there on the unit. The surgeon in the hospital was found at fault. I don't know if that had anything to do with why I had felt so apprehensive, but I just know I never felt that way any other time. Not necessarily that spooky, but certainly intriguing. Thank you for reading. And man, that's from Desert. Desert, thank you very much for sharing. Great story, loved it. Yeah, I love hospital experiences. Yeah, the the night shift, you nurses at night, you guys see a lot of weird stuff. And of course, patients are reporting odd things. And in this case, they don't want to be in a private room, which most patients rather have a private room to be by themselves. But yeah, you know, they don't want to be by themselves here. (laughs) That says something. And of course, the other people that's been there for a while, the other nurses, they're mentioning other things. Yeah, yeah, love hospitals. Uh, stories. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, what's next? What do we got here? This one is titled The Seventh Floor, and it's by Jason. Okay, Jason, let's see what you got, man. I have worked security at a major hotel near the airport for 15 years now, and when I first got here, I was told to watch out for a ghost on the seventh floor. I was told he likes to make his presence known at random times. Some of the older employees say it's one of the engineers, maintenance workers, who loved his job so much that he likes to hang around. At first I thought they were trying to scare the noob, because I didn't see, hear, or feel anything for months after I started. I did eventually run across him a couple of times, and both times I was working the graveyard shift. I started out on the graveyard shift and worked it for a good couple of years. You can say it was where we all started as a proving ground for all noobs. Of course, since we are security, we have to do our rounds to make sure everything is safe. People are not murdering each other and, of course, the lewd acts that randomly happen at hotels. You hear and see all kinds of things while working on the graveyard shift. Almost all of it can be explained, though. The sights, the sounds, the interactions, and sometimes the smells can be overwhelming sometimes. There's also the fact that sometimes, no matter how nice the hotel, someone dies. I've had it happen on my shift two times that I can count. It happened a couple times to the other guys I work with too. But that is just part of the job. When walking the hallways, you notice things like doors that creak when you walk by. Especially me, I'm 6'4", 200 pounds. But one night, a few months after I started, I think the ghost made its presence known to me. I was doing a patrol on the 7th floor when I was walking by one of the vending machine rooms. They are small rooms that have a soda machine and an ice machine. 
After a few months, you start getting used to the sound of the ice machines kicking in and people getting the drinks out of the machines, you know, stuff like that. This night, as I was walking toward the vending machine room, I heard someone popping quarters into the machine. As I got closer, I heard the soda drop down. Being that it's also one of my jobs to greet guests every time I see them, I come around the entryway expecting to greet the guest on my way by. There was no one there. These rooms are not big enough for someone to hide in, and there is no room for someone to squeeze beside the machines. I kept an eye on my back the rest of that night, though. It felt like someone was following me, but only when I was on the seventh floor. The second time I think I encountered him was during renovation a few months ago. The hotel was going through a few month long renovation and the seventh floor was already complete at the time. The atrium of the hotel wasn't finished yet, so all the elevator balcony doors were closed to keep the noise level down. The relevance of this is I was sent up to the floor to help someone get into their room. One of my co-workers, a Vietnamese gentleman, was just on his way out and clocking as I headed up. We passed each other and said our see you laters, and I headed up the elevators to help the guest. When I got out on the seventh floor, though, I heard, in the exact accent, right down to a slight lisp, Jason, and a loud whisper come from my right. It sounded like it was a few feet away, but the doors to the balcony were closed. The weird thing is, I also heard guests down the hallway to my left, and none of them had an accent even close to Vietnamese or a lisp. I checked doors real quick, no one was on the balcony, and quickly went to help the guest. Thanks for reading. And that's from Jason. Jason, thank you very much for sharing. Loved it, yeah. I guess the thing is, my favorite stories are basically people working the graveyard shift. Yeah, in this case, a hotel. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that reminds me. Uh, Terry from Texas, who does uh, Terry's Mysterious Moments on Wednesdays, I think in uh, some of his earlier seasons, uh, he used to be a security guard at a hotel at night, and I think he told one of his stories on a show. I can't remember what it was about, but, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll tell it again sometime. But, yeah, thank you very much uh, for sharing, Jason great story all right what's next what do we got this one is titled the factory and it's by kindly okay kindly let's see what you got man in the early 1980s i worked for the carnation milk company in almer ontario the factory was built in around 1905 i believe some of the equipment inside still in operation at the time was the same age as the building. Being a stationary engineer in the boiler room, we worked 24-7 even after production was done for the day and on weekends. At this time, the person on shift would be the only person in the entire facility. The boiler room was cozy enough, especially on cold winter nights, but the rest of the factory could be a little spooky in the low light and the shadows cast by ancient machines. I was a young man, and the shift schedule was interfering with my social life. At times, one or another of my friends would have mercy and visit me to keep me company for a while. Food was always welcome. One evening, a friend, Kim, who's male, came at about 1 a.m. with a pizza. 
We took it to the lunchroom in the main factory and started to eat. Although we were talking and eating, I kept hearing what I thought were the voices of two women having a conversation. I tried to ignore it as there should have been no one else in the building. I reasoned that it may be steam or air or some other mechanically derived sound. After many minutes, however, the sound did not stop. I mentioned the voices to Kim and he paused and said he could hear them as well and said it was definitely two women talking. We decided to search for the two women that should not be there. We followed the voices to the milk receiving area, but the voices then seemed to be coming from another part of the factory. We followed them there, but then, just as oddly, the voices now seemed to be coming from the empty can storage area on the second floor. While both Kim and I agreed that the speech was English, neither of us could make out a single word of it. This went on for about an hour, and although the voices didn't stop, two young men could not leave a pizza uneaten for very long. By the time Kim went home, an hour or so later, the voices had stopped. I went back to the boiler room, a little nervous, but spent the night in relative calm. Four weeks later, I was again on night shift. This time, my friend Scott decided to make a drive out to Almer to see me. We ordered a pizza, yes, again, and took it to the lunchroom as I did four weeks prior. I did not mention the voices to Scott. We sat eating when I heard a conversation begin, this time by two men. I just let it go as I was not going to go through the wild goose chase again. Besides, the whole thing was a little creepy. I did not mention what I was hearing to Scott. The voices kept going, but I did not want to acknowledge them. After a few minutes, Scott paused and said, Do you hear two men talking? I remember throwing down my slice of pizza in a mix of relief, fear, and disgust. I told him that I heard them and then related the previous voice thing of four weeks earlier. Scott and I went through the same routine of following the voices through the building for about an hour. Just as before, we could not catch up to them, nor can we make out what they were saying, but we agreed that the pattern was definitely English. The pizza, however, was not forgotten and we returned to the lunchroom to polish it off. Afterward, Scott went home. The voices were stilled and I, once more, spent a creeped out night in the boiler room, alone. I never heard the voices again despite similar friend and pizza visits in subsequent months. As always, under these odd circumstances, I'm at a loss to understand the how and why of it. I'm not sure why the disembodied voices were there nor do I understand why we were led around the facility by them. It seems so pointless. Carnation Milk closed their Almer operation down at least 20 years ago, and the factory was torn down a few years after that. Love listening. And that's by Kindly. Kindly. Thank you very much for sharing. Loved it. Ah, oh, man, factory stories. Oh, and again, graveyard shift. You gotta like the graveyard shift stories. <laughs> why they're there and why... It kept moving around. I don't know. It sounds like almost like a residual haunting, you know, just something playing back. And that's interesting. You never heard the voices again uh, after those two episodes. I Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it would be interesting. Uh, too bad you couldn't understand what they were saying. It might have been interesting what they were talking about. Yeah, kindly. 
Thank you very much for sharing. And that's it, guys. That's all that Brit sent me. And as always, we're flattered that you come to the RPA Network, and I'm glad you're finding, you know, some things you guys enjoy. You know, visit us throughout the week and see what we got. And also, for you new guys or even the old-timers, if you want to become a premium member, which what you get is all the archived Monday RPA shows, which is listener stories, interviews, bonus episodes, and I've even done a little bit over 30-plus audiobooks of folklore from cultures around the world. Yeah, you get quite a bit for your money, and that is $3.99 a month. Cancel anytime. And all you got to do is go to realparanormalactivity.com on the main page. There's a big old button there. Get premium access and create your account. Or, if you got the app, you can sign up through the app as well. Just find one of the premium episodes, just tap on it, and just follow the uh, directions. And with that, I am calling it. The show's been produced by myself and Britain, and it's also made possible by the Foss Corporation. And man, we love you. No, yeah, we do. As always, thank you and good night.